This is Come On You Reds, the Toronto FC podcast on TSN 1050. This is it, a start of a new century. This is episode 101, 101 of Come On You Reds, the Toronto FC podcast. What's up, Toronto and the world beyond? <laughs> I am Gareth Wheeler alongside my co-host, my mate, my best mutt buddy, who we missed last week as we celebrated the big one zero zero. It is Mr. Terry Dunfield. Thanks, Wheels. I am from the world beyond. That's why I come in. <laughs> I thought it was parts unknown. <laughs> oh, parts unknown. That's not me. <laughs> uh, Terry was away last. You were in Vancouver for a soccer camp with an old teammate of yours, Jay Demerit. Yeah, Jay's has a foundation out there. It's a nice way to sort of give back and and give uh, kids an opportunity to to come and play with a couple of washed up soccer players and, and teach them. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of tips out in the wilderness we're in Pemberton which is just north of Whistler and BC and uh, it's also a leadership program as well and it, it was uh, it was pretty cool we had some artists come in we had a fireman come in and so not only are they learning soccer and, and developing their games we're also uh, developing these kids as, as young men as well very cool Look at that, Terry Dudfield, coach, mentor, leader. Yeah, yeah, it was. Add uh, those to your business card. It was kind of well. nice around a bonfire, telling my story, and uh, the kids were really engaged. Ghost story, ghost tragic story. stories. Yeah. I tried to scare them and pretend to be a bear, but it didn't really work. <laughs> um, well, you you missed quite the week around these parts. Toronto FC back-to-back victories over Chicago and Philadelphia. And the build-up to uh, what was and what turned into be an impressive victory over the Montreal Impact, Terry. Yeah. Three wins on the trot. They're undefeated in nine. Now, like, after the Impact game, they've scored three goals or more in five of the last six games. And ticking over nicely. The before It's not been grinding out wins. The team's playing some really, really good stuff right now. And players, when they've come in, Jonathan Azorio has played really well. I know he didn't start against Montreal, but the whole squad's contributing as well. It was a good podcast. You know, like, you should be worried about your gig. Eric Giacometti stepping up, stepping in. Eric's got some good stuff. Johnny Conway, goalkeeper coach. fella. Devang checking in. It was a good one. We, we actually had a giveaway, a signed Michael Bradley jersey. I know there's lots of people wondering if they won. Yeah. The guy that has the prize. What was the Sean, question? Sean K. It was because we joined the Century Club. Michael Bradley has over 100 appearances. He's in the four Century players Club. now we've got in the exactly. Century Club. Exactly. So I said name one of the other three. Right. Could you name them? Yeah, easy. Moro, Ozo. And? Stefan Fry was 99. Nope. That was harsh. Uh, oh. Local lad, Canadian. Ashton Morgan. There you easy. go. Easy so one. Plenty of people hit me up with the hashtag COYR podcast at Wheeler TSN on Twitter. You either listen on iTunes, on torontofc.ca, on TSN 1050. Thank you so much for your response. But the guy that has the prize that's given it away. Sean K. Sean K's on, guy. Va- on vacay. Why? He's on vacation. So people are hitting me up. Wheeler, did I wait? I, I don't know. All I do is I throw the information. I wait till the keeper of the prizes kind of unleashes. Them. I understand. That. Okay, right. But we'll let you know as soon as we know. But the uh, the response was was incredible. And if you want to continue supporting this podcast, subscribe, like us. 
comment on us, tell your friends. Let's keep this thing going. By the way, we've got lots of questions and topics to get through today that have been uh, tweeted in as well. well. Let's start things off with the Montreal Impact match. I, like, I, I don't know if you have any quick thoughts on anything that happened in the Chicago-Philadelphia game. I thought Chicago, the game was stretched, but that game against Philadelphia on the Wednesday night leading into Montreal was pure domination on the part of Toronto FC, which set them up well, I thought, despite Montreal having the week off. Just everyone came out of that match fit. And when you're ticking over, like you said, Terry, the way you were, I thought it was just a proper context for TFC going to the It really was. And, and I think through the summer months with, with the Gold Cup, with international appearances, a couple of injuries, there the, Greg Vanny hasn't had the boys on the training ground probably as much as he would have liked. But leading up to, to Montreal, uh, I think he was able to spend time on the training ground with the team that he was going to work with, with that starting 11. And, and I think it really showed too. Uh, and he gave Mauro Biello, the Montreal Impact manager, something to think about as well. Playing a 4-4-2 or starting off that way against the Philadelphia Union then coming out in three five two, reverting back to the same 11 that won the game in Chicago what's funny though is when it, when they talk formation they line up that way but they play virtually the exact same way the fullbacks are high up the field instead of Vasquez third, is pretty inverted exactly instead of having that third center back it's Bradley that kind of joined the back line almost well defensively yes but when they push forward he covers so much ground that you're playing virtually the same way. You just add that extra midfield presence. Yeah, I agree. And don't forget, when TFC were matching up against Montreal, this is Montreal as good as they've been since the playoffs last year. They've picked up a couple of players. Piet, Jamali's come in. And Montreal were in good form. So for, for TFC to dismantle Montreal like they did, it's, it's a Montreal team in very much form. I was surprised they didn't start Domo Duro. And the reason why I say that is players with pace, like the David Akams of the world... Those are the really only players that trouble Toronto FC. And if they kind of played Aduro on the right and Piatti on the left, I thought that could have maybe worked out a little bit better than the 11 that they put I, on the field. I, I think they went with Salazar for two reasons. One, tactically, it gives you a little bit more defensively. And in Montreal in recent weeks, since they've picked up a little bit, they've, they've gone back to how they played last year a little bit, where they're dropping a little bit deep like they did in the playoffs and really looking to hit teams on the counter. It's a little bit less about possession and playing out of the back. And I think with Salazar, you've got a player who can keep the ball for you a little bit more than what Aduro can. He was okay on the day. And I think keeping Aduro on the bench too, you've got a, a threat coming off the bench, a little bit like Toe St. Ricketts where if it's nil-nil, you can change a game with a player like Aduro. And by the way, I thought it was disgraceful what he did to Bono late in the game where he just catches him on the back of the head. He could have easily moved his foot. I think there is intent on that. And, and I'm surprised the disciplinary panel hasn't looked at that. I know it needs to be unanimous and there's five different people on the panel, but that should have been something that was I, looked at. Agreed. We'll get into that as we kind of walk through the game. It was a brilliant day for football. Like, I was there. It was class. The weather, Canadian, Derby. It was perfect. TFC Afternoon fans kickoff. were everywhere, and they were making the noise. I think the summer's still in the stadium now. Yes, <laughs> they might be. Um, I, my wife, Brenna, came with me to the game. We went on a little bit of a road trip before and Get after. Got a little Lance Romance thing going on. She was my I producer in the booth for the radio call. Best radio call of the year, Terry. 
You want me to start bringing her around for our games that we call together? Little eye candy, you know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> oh that's sorry, that's your wife. wife. <laughs> that's right. fair game. And she's not British, sorry. Fair play. <laughs> but the, 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 the Toronto FC traveling supporters, they were all through the city on that day. There was a great vibe heading into the match. It was, it was sensational. Yeah, I, I like it. Uh, as a player, we used to go for a walk when we'd go to Montreal before the game in the day, and you're waiting for the big game at night. And it was always class. We'd stay. Our hotel is right in Montreal, opposite the Bell Centre. And uh, you always see TFC jerseys walking around, and you're in your tracksuit walking out. I remember I'd, I'd walk around with Coovermans, and, oh, there's Dunfield or Coovermans, and you kind of have a little chat with the fans. They're buzzing for the game. And, and now with the team that TFC do have, the chests are really out, out uh, really pushed out. And, and uh, credit to the TFC traveling fans that makes a derby so much better in my opinion and uh this these montreal rivalry games against tfc just keep getting better, and better. I, I went to do a video piece with clayton hansler of toronto fc the guy that produces and puts together all the all for ones and when i got to the team hotel clay guess, guess who i saw there yeah i was with clay but guess who i saw like staying in the same hotel jack nicholas the Golden Bear. Are you like right serious? there with all these other like old guys with their white hair and lined up with these That's Jaguars so cool. Letters. I'm like, there's the Golden Bear. Like, he's not that big. Like, he's starting to look older now, yeah. but it was super cool. This guy grew up watching play. He's awesome. Did you say hi? Did you say what's up? I did. It's not. It was one of those things he was in conversation. It must have been like a paid excursion where he comes up and golfs with a bunch of bigwigs. Yeah. I did, however, when I was walking into the 2010 World Cup final in South Africa, I walked in right beside Gary Player. And I did strike up a conversation. I was like, this is super cool. Nice. Say, hey, Mr. Player, how are you? Who do you think is going to win? Blah, blah, blah. Like, Guess who I played golf with in Vancouver? Gary Player. Tiger Woods. No, no my God. <laughs> <laughs> He can't play anymore. His back is done, oh, right? Yeah. yeah, his back. So we'll get back to business with the match. Um, I thought the Montreal Impact started very brightly. Like they, they, Like the first 15 minutes or so, they were dangerous. I, I thought that mo most of their play... And the good things that, that, that happened with the team, it's not so much Jamali, Piet was fine. It's when Patrice Bernier drives that team, that's when they're at their best, which says a lot about a player that's getting on in years. I think so. And I think, I think TFC were ready for that. They expected a quick start at home from Montreal, the, the, the atmosphere. And Montreal were going to really be on the front foot. I agree. In previous matches, Bernier's been that difference maker for Montreal. Sometimes he'll sit deeper. Sometimes he'll drive the team forward. And in the first 10, 15 minutes, especially with... Uh, Piet now in the side. He's a, Bernier can really he get, can get forward, forward a little, yeah, bit, a little more. bit more. And, and he still has a lot of quality. He's difficult to get off the ball. There's not many people in the league better at him just protecting that ball. Little Cooper's very good at it as well. He's hard to knock off it. But um, I, I thought TFC were really professional how they dealt with it. And, and th there was no panic stations. They were comfortable. And one thing from the early stages that I picked out and I've got written down here is there's a little ball around the corner from Marky Delgado, uh, which, which he played a 1-2 with someone. Tough straight ball played into a midfield. Plays a little ball around the corner, a little one-two, and then tries to slide Altador in. And for me, that was a big turning point in Delgado's uh, development, his career, and where he's going as a player. Totally. Because I tell you what, two years ago, he plays it back to the defender and nothing happens. But when you start playing little balls around the corner like that, I'm thinking he's learning from players like Vasquez and Javinko. Right. Well, well there was a couple flashpoints 
the other way that I want to bring up that happened early, the one ball that was played by Bernier in behind the back line to Mancasu, who, by the way, I thought was very poor on the day, hasn't had a very, very good he season. He quality, didn't he? I think he, he looks heavy to me, to tell you the truth. But he played him in, bad angle, Mancuso shot into the side of the net. But that was a couple... There was two He's got to go across the goal there. Is that the one? Has to yeah. go across the goal. But why I wanted to bring it up is that Chris Mavinga, and, I, and I've said this, has been one of the best defenders in MLS this season. But he got caught out a couple times in that game. And that was that one moment where down that, and TFC was so concerned with Piatti coming down the left, that there was a couple times that the ball was played down the right to Mancuso and, uh, and to Salazar, where they're exposed a little bit. I just hope that that's something that they can learn from because he's been a rock at that position, but they found a soft spot a couple yeah, times. Yeah, and that's one of the flaws in the system. Sometimes your outside center halves in a back three get isolated a little bit, and, and Chris Mavinga, with, with his one-on-one ability and his, as how athletic he is, he's been able to bail himself out. At times, though, he's going to have to call Morrow in and just get a little bit of protection. What I love about Chris Mavinga, too, now, and it shows how confident he is, is whenever he's caught out, or maybe I think in the second half he made a mistake in possession and could have kept it simple, tried a, a long diagonal or a ball in behind and it went out of play, is he, he'll hold his hand up and say, you know what, that was my fault, yep. and then get on with it. And you don't see a lot of players do that. They'll try to hide a little bit after making a mistake, but not Chris Moving. And I think that's a sign of a player in confidence. The other big moment early came on a free kick that was given up right on top of Toronto FC's box. Jamali ends up taking the free kick. The Swiss international played it low. One of those dangerous balls where you don't know if the player is going to get a touch on it. Simon jumped over the ball, but Bono was there. Alex Bono, big stop, diving to his left, punching that clear. I mean, that ball could have gone anywhere, but it speaks volumes when the goalkeeper plays the ball and not necessarily the player. He had to play the ball, and he got it bang on. That came in the 16th minute, and that was the turning point in the match. I think that's up for save of the week. Am I right? Yes. Possibly. At present time, I don't know if he's won it because voting ended but that's at midnight a save, Wednesday. Though, that is save of the week, yes. right? And I was talking to uh, John Conway. Hopefully he doesn't take my job on the podcast. But uh, he was good. I always said to him, I said, what a save that was. And, and as you described it, it would have been very easy for him to stay in the middle of the goal, expect maybe a yep. deflection from Simon. But his reactions are, are so good because once Simon steps over it, it's a split second. All of a sudden, it's on net. If he parries it in the middle of the goal, there's Montreal players ready for a rebound. And again, it shows what a good shot stopper he is. And, and for me, possibly, and he's had some good saves on the season, his best stop of the year. You, you and it's need, a different game if, if TFC go down one net. That's what I wanted to get to. Because from that point on, I mean, I mean TFC remained composed, Terry, but they stepped up their game and they took it to another level after that. It was really that save that kind of set the table for all the good things to come after that. And a goal did come for Toronto FC in the first half of play. Now, more of Come On You Reds, the Toronto FC podcast. This is Come On You Reds, Gareth Wheeler, Terry Dunfield with you at Wheeler TSN at Terry underscore Dunfield on Twitter. Just some clarification. It's just come down that Alex Bono save 
has won Save of the Week. Yeah, get in there. Congrats, Bones. But it wasn't that save against the Impact. As good as that save was. Still get in there. Get it. You should have won it twice. Uh, it was a save against Il Signo in the Wednesday night match. Uh, Toronto FC winning that game 3 nothing. Diving to his left. It was a rocket by El Senio. The best moment of the match for the Union. And he saved it, pushed it off the bar. It was a great, it was a great save. But I'm with you how dangerous the save was against the impact. It's full value as yeah, well. Yeah, good point. What I liked about the save against Philly was how he went with his other hand, almost like David Seaman used to save shots, sets himself and he claws it out with his right hand. A lot of keepers there would go with their left, but he's able to get his right hand, react so quickly, and touch it onto the bar. Great save. Congrats, Bono. Would it be great if Bono had the semen mustache? Oh, look like a porn star. Seriously. <laughs> I'm getting a bit turned on thinking oh, about it on. now. Take it easy, big boy. Take it easy. <laughs> um, that was the one thing. After that save by Bono in the 60th minute against the Impact, TFC were just so calm. Like, I think what you saw, Terry is a team that's confident in their ability. Uh, they're in a difficult place to play against their rival, and there was no panic. Like, panic stations, not even close. The team just methodically went about their business, and they got better as the half went on. Altador came close, nifty move on the touchline, turned it in. Evan Bush, like, saved it with his shoulder, didn't know yeah. much about it. I just thought TFC kind of I thought of that was a good save. Game. I don't think it hit Evan Bush. I think he just kind of lifts. He does a little bit there, but that's what, like you said, it was methodical is a perfect word. And, and TFC have been like that at end of games this season. And even last year when they're seeing games out, there's never panic stations. There's a calmness to their play. And I really like that. And I thought Michael Bradley really stepped up and got grip of the game after the first maybe 15 minutes. Yeah, Jamali was one. And listen, he's a good player, but he was out of control. And he wasn't happy with the foul that was called on him in the 40th minute. Uh, fouled Sebastian Javinko right on top of the area. TFC, like they do all the time, attacked down that left-hand side. Ball spun back to Javinko. There, was, there wasn't uh, a ton of contact that was made, but he was trying to make the challenge, and he wasn't goal side. He was wrong side yeah, of the ball. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was on Altidore, it wasn't was on it? Altidore, yeah, 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 sorry, that's not right. Javinko. Yeah, yeah. yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, so, so Vasquez comes down the left-hand side, like you said, and I think Javinko made a good run into the box, and, and Vasquez could have forced it into him. It was never really on, but great awareness for him. He turns back out, and then the trailing striker, and that's just what happens. I know you love two strikers. Yeah. Altidore is just trailing in behind Javinko. A little bit of space. Uh, I'm not sure whether he took a touch. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, t I think, yeah, he takes a touch, and Jamali comes in behind him. There's not a whole bunch of contact, and we've seen this year. But you don't Altidore doesn't get a lot position. of He doesn't get a lot of protection, does he? No. And he shouldn't tackle from that position. He just needs to stand up. Soon as Eltador feels that contact, great uh, game management from him. Call it what you want. He goes over, and it's an easy one for the referee to give. Do you want to describe the Javinko free kick goal? Oh, see, right now when he steps up, you just feel like it's going to be a goal. And I thought... It's like from virtually the same place as he scored against the Philadelphia Union. And, and what... I thought Caldwell's commentary it w was actually was good on it. And that, good for a change, really? Yeah, no, seriously. Okay. And it's tough for me to say this. <laughs> He's my mate. Um, <laughs> it, and what... what 
Javinka, why he's so dangerous on free kicks right now is we saw against Philly, he went to the other corner. So he can go both ways. Yeah. He can go with pace. He can go with a knuckleball. So Evan Bush doesn't know what's going to happen. So all Evan Bush is thinking, I just have to protect my side. I can't get done at my side. And, and he sort of, with that top spin, bends it over top of the wall. Evan Bush is rooted, and he doesn't get anywhere near it. He didn't move. And I think that's because keepers now, when they do their due diligence or, or doing their uh, – Okay, he's not looking to buy a stock, but does their homework on it on on TFC and where Javinko's going to go? A little bit like with penalties on free kicks, is he can go anywhere, and, and keepers now are, are not going to cheat and try to protect that one over top of the wall. And I think that's what we saw. He came close earlier in the match from free kicks as well, but that is his spot. I mean, he can score from anywhere, but that is his spot. That's his wheelhouse, Honestly, isn't it? That is his wheeler house right there. And, and I think that I, <laughs> I was going to say that, but I'm better than Part that. Part of the fun. <laughs> but I, I think now the only way, the best way to defend is you just have to tell your teammates don't c commit silly fouls in and around the box. Yeah, that's about it. 12 career goals from set pieces, dead balls. Uh, directly from them, and he's making five the BBC. The five on the year. He's making BBC website now. Is he the best in the world at set pieces? I think he's scored more than anyone in the last twelve months around the world in top leagues. It, to it's be. incredible. Yeah, he has to he, listen. In, 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 and by I, the way, you've also with got, KJ after the, you've after also the got match. Altidore who can step up and take That's free kicks. Thing. You've I got Vasquez who can go underneath the wall. I, Vasquez has scored goals from set pieces. I brought up to Vanny. Uh, I was just chatting with him here at the training ground today that Josie Altidore, last time that the U.S. men's national team played, scored on a free kick goal. Yeah. Like, you have other guys lining up, willing to take, but right now you can't let anyone take but Javinko because he's executing five goals in direct free kicks this year. And I, and I brought this up. He, he's the player of the week, and he scored another goal. Like, how is this guy not leading the way in the MVP race? He is He's playing now. for the he best is. team He is. League. He must be. But it's David Villa this, David Villa. Like, come on. Like, and then another David Villa. This is a bit of a blow, and I think this will hurt Javinko a little bit. Uh, and I think it's good for TFC because you'll get a little bit of time during this international break. Of course, Villa gets a call-up for Spain. And, and again, no call-up for Javinko. I, I can't understand why not because this isn't a vintage Italian national team. No. Um, his celebration as well was incredible. The crying emoji was great with the signs up. Like, I, I tweeted that out because <laughs> I, I got my wife, my producer, to take a picture of it just right at the start of the broadcast. I was trying to figure it out. It was like the crying emoji. There was a I diver, I'll be honest. There I was didn't get it. What was going on with it? I think the crying emoji was supposed to be Bradley, though. There was an ant. There was a diver. I guess that's Altidore. There was a bag full of money, and it said equaled. Is that and you? I don't even know what it said. It was kind of stupid, but I like how Javinko picked up on that and played it up. Right, and did the crying. right. Um, oh, that was brilliant. Class. I picked it out on the broadcast right nice, away. Nice, nice. A little bit cryptic. I like it. I love it. What's uh, what was that movie? Uh, uh oh, here's uh, obscure Dunfield no, reference coming no. up. Angels and Demons style. What are you talking hey, about? It's cryptic. Oh, cryptic. Yeah. I don't know if it was, it was hard to follow. I thought it was funny. Oh, the sign was cryptic. Yeah. Okay. It was like the Da Vinci Code. Da Vinci there Code. You go. There you go. Right. I don't know how I got Da Vinci What's Code. What's the guy who starred in Da Vinci Code? The, the, I just watched it. The writer or the guy? Tom the, Hanks? Tom Hanks. 
memory block so Javinko with the goal and then this is what I love he does the crying emoji then it was Jamali literally crying on the field he picked up a <laughs> caution as he came off gets in Michael Bradley's I knew you were going to say I love it he was the one that was crying and Michael Bradley he knows exactly face. he knows exactly what he's doing he's got him on toast there's like a little yes. kid in with string he's like come here come here Jamali come on <laughs> it was like Conor McGregor on Saturday yeah. night flailing away it yeah. was like Jamali's the one that was crying anyway one nothing at halftime. TFC in a comfortable spot. Then I want to get into the and I want and I want to play you the audio of this as well. TFC starts well in the second half. They get the goal through Altador in the 52nd minute. Victor Vasquez, league leading 14th assist on the year, comes on a long throw. Delgado in offside position, but because he's in an offside position, doesn't matter on a throw-in, gets behind the back line, centers it perfectly for Altador. Evan Bush, I don't know, he was having a laugh because he, like, dove out of the way. I was like, just stand <laughs> your ground, mate. But Altador scores, makes it 2-0. Game over from where he's I was He's having sitting. a laugh. What was he doing? Like, he literally dove out of the way. Before I give my take on it, are we going to play play it now? Well, or? no, no, give, give your take, and then I'm going to play the goal call because i got to describe to you what was happening at that time. Okay. Going back to Caldwell, he has a beast because he says it was his Hassler long throw on the commentary, so he evens himself out. Back okay. to back to Caldwell. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, yeah, when would you lose one? <laughs> but yeah, no. And by the way, it was a pretty long throw. I've watched it a few times. I was like, I, don't I know can't what... even remember Vasquez taking it. This guy can do everything. He's been in the gym working on his long throw. <laughs> <laughs> Next, he'll be doing a flip long throw was like, like was university that Dan style. Gargan? <laughs> yeah, was seriously. That? Was that uh, the guy from Stoke? Uh, Rory DeLapp. Was that Rory DeLapp? Yeah. Thanks for filling in my gaps, by the no way, problem. today, mate. Uh, yeah, so I think that's good quick thinking from Vasquez, and we saw it uh, a little bit earlier a couple games ago where he puts a he, he gets away on a quick throw, makes a forward run, puts a cross in for a goal. This time he runs off of Piet. Uh, Piet just loses him. And, and what I liked about it is his cross was almost like a shot. He just lashes it in between in that sort of corner, corner corridor of uncertainty in between the keeper, Evan Bush, and the center half. And, and Altador, he's alert. He's gambled. And, and I think if he hits it sweet, it probably goes off of Evan Bush. Uh, but he just kind of redirects it back to where it's come from, and it trickles over the goal line. And a real striker's goal, and, and then a real heads-up play, not only by Vasquez, but Delgado and also Altador. Uh, that's Altador's 11th goal of the year. Okay, so I'm going to play you the audio of my goal call, calling the game on TSN 1050 radio, and I'll describe what was happening in front of me at that time. So here's the second goal call. It was missed on television. I didn't miss it on radio, so here's how it sounded. Long throw to Marky Delgado. Finds Althor inside the area. Just places the ball behind Evan Bush. Poor defending, and Altidore takes advantage. His 11th goal this season. Jose, Jose, Jose! And to the dismay of the Impact supporters, it's Toronto FC 2 and Montreal no score. So that was the goal call right there. Not bad. And the, to the dismay of Montreal. I love it. Well, th th this is what happened. When you call the game in Montreal, literally the Impact supporters are right in front of you. And with the window open, they can hear every word you're saying. Joey Saputo, the owner of the team, is right in front of me. Are you kidding and me? I'm and the stadium would have gone quiet except oh, for the yes. TFC supporters going And And they're away to Bonanza. the left. So I start calling the goal, 
And I see, it must have been a dozen. They're like, all these people are just turning around, giving me dirty looks. Who's this goober? And so I just started to sell it. So I brought it. So then I don't saw them looking at me like uh, scowls on their face. So I'm going, Joe's, hey, Joe's. And I'm going, and I'm like, to the dismay. And I'm pointing at them. You were in your element, were you? My wife was like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, and I go, Toronto FC 2, and I hold up two fingers. <laughs> and I go, the impact, no score, and I hold up a donut. I'm just yelling at them. I'm yelling down at them the whole time. Different it class. Glorious. Love and it. And they're just all like, give me the two fingers. <laughs> it, was, it was hilarious. But as soon as they turned around, I'm like, I got them in my pocket. I got to sell this sucker. You've got them on toast. Brilliant. Yeah. Well done. I love yeah. it. You got to do that. We're in hot 100%. 100%. And there's nothing better than going into someone else's kitchen and taking three points like that. It's awesome. Yeah. And the goals kept on coming. And this it. adds to the rivalry, doesn't it? And sure. I'm sure when Montreal come come here in a few weeks, they'll well, be trying they, to do the same came, thing. When the French radio, when, after they lost in the Canadian Championship back in June, one of their guys punched a hole in the wall of the booth. That was that was Javinko again, wasn't it? Late on, they, they owed us from maybe a broken coffee table, the three nothing loss of the playoffs a couple of years. <laughs> I can't ago. remember that. What yeah. are you talking about? What goes around comes around, and from that point on, things were Great relatively call. comfortable for Toronto FC. Come on, you Reds! The Toronto FC podcast will continue on TSN ten fifty. Now, more of Come on, you Reds! The Toronto FC podcast. This is, come on, you Reds, Wheeler and Dunfield with you. After Josie Altidore scored against the Montreal Impact in the 52nd minute, it made it 2-0 for Toronto FC in what turned out to be a relatively comfortable afternoon for the Reds. Yeah, I, I think Montreal, once they went down 2-0, huffed and puffed, brought Oduro on, and I think TFC dealt with... Jackson Amel, who showed more for me in his whatever, his 35 minutes he played, more so... Then Moncasu in 55 minutes. Moncasu in the past has done well against TFC. I like him. I, I like his, his sort of willingness to always run him behind, his directness. I, I think he stretches teams, which allows Piatti to, to go on and play in Jamali now. Uh, but I thought he was relatively quiet. And anytime he got into good areas, he lacked a little bit of quality. I like Jackson Hamel. I think uh, he, he could possibly be a, a big player for Canada down the line. Though having said that, watching Jordan Jordan Hamilton, they're similar type of profile. Right. I, I'd, I'd have Jordan Hamilton over him. Um, for TFC, the key to the match for me was limiting the effectiveness of Ignazio Piatti. He's won the MLS Player of the Month. He did get a goal. I believe that's seven goals in four or five games. Uh, he's been on fire. He's been on flames lately, Terry. And But the fact that a combination of Zavaleta, Moore, who I thought was outstanding, Bradley tucking in Hasler. He was double, triple teamed whenever he got the ball. I just thought the defensive performance and the awareness and the communication was very good on the day. Yeah, I thought TFC did a very good job of... Uh defending their counter and defending Montreal in transition. So when Montreal did turn the ball over, I thought the back three and Michael Bradley did a very good job of just delaying Montreal, not allowing them to that space in behind. I thought the back three dropped extremely well with Michael Bradley and limited that ball in behind. And I thought that was a big part of, of TFC's play. And then also when they did turn the ball over and press high, I thought TFC... Uh, 
I know it came off a long throw, but were very good in transition. They picked their moments, when to go right. and when to drop off. Uh, the Impact did get their goal. I guess you want to ad address the Oduro on, on Bono a little bit more. Sorry, I, I forgot about that for a moment. It was late on in the match. TFC had used up their three substitutes, uh, three substitutions. Zorio came on for Delgado, Beta Sure for Hasler, and Ricketts for Altidore. Then Oduro leaves his knee, gets it stuck in right on the temple of Alex Bono, a very dangerous play. And at first, I wasn't sure how much contact there was, but on the replay, you saw that was a violent blow to the head. And I'm surprised with you that there hasn't been, as of yet, supplementary discipline. Yeah, when you watch it again, it didn't look pretty. And I know Adoro, I know him personally, he's not that type of player, but I thought there was plenty of time. He could have got out of the way. I, I know you've just come off the bench, and, and you're, you want to make an impression. And uh, I, I thought he... He, he could have got out of the way. Uh, you know, I'd like to give him the benefit of the doubt and say he didn't mean it, but I, I think there was some malice in it. And, uh, you know, with any head injury, it, it, it's not nice. And, and uh, I'm sure this week there would have been some concussion protocol, and, and it looked like Bono took a big bang. Just another quick mention. I thought Nicholas Hasler was great on the day again. I think he's been great he's since he's player. come in. He, First game looked against DC. At DC. Was, a, was a little bit... Tepid, a little bit nervous, but like that's natural. I, the first I thought game. against DC he was out of his comfort zone. I, I think he's played a lot of his football in the middle of the park against DC. DC were very narrow, pushed TFC out wide, and and he got into some great crossing positions and and. and you know, one-on-one -on -one situation. I don't think that's really his game. I don't think he's an out-and-out -out winger. I think he's a real two-way player. And, and and we're seeing since that DC game, each game, he's just getting a little bit more confidence. There's, he's a real athletic, powerful player. Very rarely does he give the ball away. And, and I think he suits the system. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting moving forward now that Beta's fit. Uh, he's definitely Greg Vanny. The coaches yeah. have a decision to make. Okay, Coach Dunfield. Big game, all to play for. Who are you starting at that right back position? Hasler, Betasher. I I think right now, uh, I think for both players, this next ten days are big days in training. I, Look I think at this I guy. love it. I, I think it'll right be, the competition for places is going to be important. I think they both know that, and they're going to push one another on. Is that fence right up your rear end? Because <laughs> you're sitting right on it. I think. It's Hassler's position now. It's his jersey Ooh, to lose. Wow. But if it was playoff time, I think you go with the experience of Beta. I think you go with Beta. I think Beta the reason will. Is he's been there, done that. He's a warrior. You know what you're getting defensively. And that's not an indictment on Hassler whatsoever. I just think that you, if you need a goal, if you need to push on, play a more attacking, attack-minded player, then you go with Hasler. I think you're in a great run. The, the team's obviously playing extremely well, not only winning games, but, but there's a nice feel to the system right now. And, and I don't think you want to change. I think you're seeing Beta get introduced into back into the game, and each each game is getting more and more minutes. Right. Uh, but I'd continue with Hassler at the moment. But I think come the playoffs, I think Beta will be back in the I side. I think Azorio's played well lately as well. I, th I thought it was I thought tough. he was really good against Philadelphia. But, I mean, it's, it's tough. Like, you're not going to knock off Delgado right now, but... To have depth at that position speaks volumes. Yeah, I thought it was harsh on De on uh, Ozo not starting after a really good yeah, performance midweek under the lights. I think he enjoys it at home. And uh, we're seeing him now, one of the first subs off the bench. And yes, he gets done on the Piatti goal. I, I think for me, it was a short free kick to go 2-1. Uh, Piatti chops to his left foot. 
Great strike from him there. But I think Vasquez, Ozo breaks from the wall. I think Vasquez needs to be over there helping protect. Uh, right. I think at 2-0, Vasquez thought the game was already over. 90th plus 2. What happens then? Well, is well, there a goal for TFC well, well, or something? This, this was, I thought the, I was like, okay, consolation marker. But literally, like, it was less than a minute late. I don't have the exact count in front of me. But before people are sat down in their seats, go the other way. Great ball by Betashore. I'd gone to put the kettle on, if I'm honest. <laughs> I had, I, I'm like, it's done now at 2-1. There's maybe a set piece that TFC might need to defend. So I've got one eye on the tally, one eye on my biscuits and kettle. But I'm thinking it, it's done now. Betashore to Javinko, volley. Uh, moments before, I should mention this. Remember how I was making fun of Evan Bush for blowing past on the Josie Altador girl? Absolutely robbed Ricketts. Yeah. Like, stayed in there yeah, that good time. Point. Yeah. I don't know how he came up with that save yeah. because maybe he learned his lesson. <laughs> but th this time, J Javinko just volleys it straight through. Not an easy finish, though, volleying from that kind of ball from distance. Oh, he's tried it a few times, hasn't he? Yes. On the right foot over the season. And to be fair, it's gone into row Z. But uh, to, to, the ball travels all of probably 45, 50 yards. Great ball from Great Beta. Ball. Good movement from Javinko just to pull off the defender's shoulder. But when that ball, trust me, is in the air for that long, it's difficult to time it. Keep your eye on it. With his so-called weaker foot, he catches it perfect. Almost David Platt-esque. And uh, it just buries it into the net. For me, I think that's goal the season for TFC so really? far. Yeah, wow. incredible. Interesting. I got to think about that. I was so distracted during the celebration because literally, this was What's a all the, all the uh, Montreal fans well, wanting to fight you? the thing about Stad Saputo is that the TFC fans are up to my left in the top corner, but Montreal is a supporter section in behind both goals. So they're on the same side as the North Bell and I think the true supporter section, by the way, is the supporter section by the Big O. Not the one by the bell. Okay, but the, the one by the bell, there's still a group of fans there, and they're ringing it, and a couple of Montreal Canadiens, Andrew Shaw was there, McCarran, whatever. And then all of a sudden in the goal, I see two or three people, like, barrel roll down the stairs, <laughs> a scrap going on. There was, what? like, two security members, but there was a huge TFC section and a Montreal section, and I'm there watching a fight break out. So TFC fan versus a... Montreal fan? Impact fan. It was all going off right where they were celebrating. So I was calling the goal, yet I was calling the fight, too. Who won? I don't... They, eventually, they were torn apart. The Stewart. Like TFC, obviously. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> but, like, I'm not trying to condone those sorts of things, but what a stupid way. If you want to separate supporters, make sure that they're on different sides. Yeah, good point. Or at point. least have proper security. It was just not managed... In an appropriate way. Then all the security came afterwards. Right. You're going to see some They could have been a little that. bit more proactive. A hundred percent. So 15th goal of the season for Javinko. Then the game was done. And TFC, looky, looky, undefeated in nine. They have a nine-point balls over the New York City FC in the Scoring race. Scoring for fun. Shield. Creating opportunities for fun. Three more goals in a game. They scored 55 on the year. That's best in MLS. They've given up the second fewest goals, 26. Sporting Kansas City's only given up 19. What? 19? That's an incredible number. Yeah. But TFC second best. They set a record for wins in a year. The equal away wins, away points. Like, they're just shattering the record book. They have the most points ever in a TFC season with 56. They have seven more games to go. Oh, they're, they're, the team are just the momentum right now building behind this team is incredible. TFC 2-1. They came back and beat Charlotte from 2-0 down to beat them 3-2. Big point last night in the last minute. Sean Hundle comes on, scores 1-1 against St. Louis. So everything aces at the club right now. Well, 
let's talk about the supporter shield because this is a big deal. It's a stated goal. Who catches TFC? Like New York City FC as a game in hand, and they're seven points back. They're really the only team that can chase them down. And their manager, Patrick Vieira, has already said no one's catching TFC. I don't think so. And, and but what, what else I believe? I'm sorry, I, I, heading into the weekend, I believe the next best is 42 points. What I, what TFC's I, on 56. What I think will happen is TFC will really use their experience of last season. I, I think they're in a better position than last year. Uh, but the, remember, TFC just limped over the line with a few draws at the end of last season when they were favorites for the Supporter Shield. So I think the experience of last season, I think Greg Vanny does a wonderful job. But they got of, such just a keeping lead on in this the year, even Terry. keel. Such a lead. And I think the experience of Michael Bradley and all of these players topped with what happened last year. Uh, I, I think TFC are not only going to crush a sh- supporter shield, that they've even got a chance for the all-time MLS record. Yeah, which is kind of an interesting number because the Galaxy had 68 through 32 games. They're going to play a 34-game schedule. But just get to that number. And TFC can. Chicago loses on the weekend to Minnesota. They're they're looking reversed. a little bit leggy, a little bit old. Nikolic isn't scoring. Uh, so no, all TFC hopefully can keep this momentum going. It's TFC's right to lose. It, it really it's is. TFC, honestly, we're, we're watching an historic season. Also in the Week 25 Team of the Week, Javinko, Vasquez, then on the bench in terms of the 18, Bradley and Bono. Not bad. Imagine being the coach telling Bradley you're on the bench. Yeah, it's like, okay, <laughs> right. Uh, so TFC keeps on rolling. There are games this weekend in Major League Soccer. TFC got lucky with the schedule makers this year. Haven't played on an international break, but Impact plays fire this weekend. Montreal, Chicago. I know that the Red Bulls play FC Dallas. They're in action. Orlando's in action against New England. So there are games this weekend of significance for the playoffs. Yeah, Spots in the East. The, the one that stands out for me is Montreal-Chicago. Montreal will be without Piet. He's away with Canada as well. Uh, so hopefully Montreal can do TFC a favor and, and uh, at least get a point against Chicago. Yeah, right now it's about playoff positioning behind TFC. One, one really. thing I'd like to talk about, Wheels, is the Kyle Lahren situation. That's an interesting Go one ahead, for me. Uh, I think it, it's been a difficult year for him. Obviously, he's had some issues off the pitch. Was, for me, called into the Gold Cup, mid-Gold Cup. Shouldn't have been. I think Canada should have stuck with Cavallini and Jackson Hamel. He comes in. Canada lose, go out of the Gold Cup. And and then there's been sort of some rumors of him trying to manufacture a move away, get his big money move. I know it's transfer day today as well. There's been he's been linked with Besiktas, you know, with the Tiba Hutchison there. Uh he, he came off the bench after uh possibly, you know, sort of a something going on with him and Jason Christ. Uh, um, uh, Dwyer's come in. I don't see those two as a pair up front. Dwyer's his replacement. And, and it'll be interesting to see whether he goes in this transfer window. Interesting. Um, you might be listening to this podcast after the window closes, so we don't know. We, we don't cannot, know. We, can, we cannot confirm that or deny what's happening. Uh, what we do know is this Saturday afternoon at BMO Field, Toronto, um, Toronto FC Canada takes on Jamaica. I think it's 7 o'clock. Uh, it's an afternoon match, I believe, isn't it? No, it's seven. No, seven p.m. Oh, seven p.m. It's the same. It's the same time. Saying the reason why I know that is because it's the same time as TFC two. Get yourself to TFC two up in Vaughan. Well, They're playing, which as is well. seven thirty. Is they take on the Rochester Rhinos. That's right. So yes. So you need to choose one or the other. You can't do both, unfortunately. The U.S. play Costa Rica. Uh, Altador Bradley will be playing Friday night in New York. Looking forward to that. Then they go down to Honduras. Armando Cooper in action. 
Wales plays this weekend. Get in, Wales. Some big matches <laughs> in against Austria. I know. That's what you have to have when you're, you're going to be a proper broadcaster, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so tons of football nice. coming up this weekend. Uh, we'll weigh in, on, uh, weigh in on all of that next. Now, more of Come On You Reds, the Toronto FC podcast. Gareth Wheeler, Terry Dunfield with you. This is Come On You Reds, the Toronto FC podcast at WheelerTSN at Terry underscore Dunfield on Twitter. We had some questions sent in before we get to them, Terry. Canada, Jamaica this Saturday, even if you're listening to it afterwards. A lot of excitement about the Canadian national team. Just hoping for a good crowd out there to support the boys because this is the main thing for the build towards 2026. We need more home Canada games and more support for our men's national team. Yeah, 100%. Too often at on home soil, Canada has actually been the uh, there's been more fans of the opposing teams at games. It, I remember playing against Ecuador, and there was twelve thousand Ecuador fans and four thousand only four thousand Canadian fans in red. It was a sea of yellow. I I don't like that. I know Canadian soccer is trying to change it. I came up to the Kia training ground. We're doing the pod right now on the subway today. There's advertising for the game. It's great. I, I think it'll be a decent crowd. I'm told the upper stands are now available for tickets. And I think there's a real freshness to the Canadian program on, on the back of, of a very uh, successful Gold Cup. It was disappointing to go out against Jamaica. I thought that was a winnable game. Uh, but no, I, th- I, I like the Canadian team. I think it's an exciting team to watch now. There's pace in the I side. Like it's a little bit more dynamic. I want to see this team with Atiba because he won't be there as the team builds in the future, but for the present to get some positive results, he's still an important player. I, I think he'll be there for a while. I, I think he's got the body type if his knee holds on that he could play till he's 40. I, I really do. I think Canada will have to play with an extra midfielder, but you've got Piet in there, Scotty Arfield, out wide Hoylet, whether it's Raheem Edwards or Alfonso Davies, and then up top you've either got Cavalini or Kyle Aaron. It's a real attacking team. It's funny, from my era, we were real blue collar, had good center halves, very good defensive midfielders names Ryan with Jerry Unfield <laughs> but the team now has completely changed to a, to, to a very dynamic attacking team and, and I think that that's a, 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 as a player a great team to play in and uh, um, you know, I'm excited for, to, to watch the game good stuff uh, and all the best to the th- four Canadian players, Ozo, Chapman, Edwards, and Ricketts. Yes, I, I, Ricketts has been like the poster boy for this game as Jamaican roots, so hopefully these players get a run in for the Canadian team this Saturday. Some questions sent in at WheelerTSN at Terry underscore Dunfield. We love your questions, hashtag COYR podcast, and we'll answer them on a weekly. Ravi, last year the team played a 4-4-2 to get to a 3-5-2. Do you see it now being used as a tool to break down weaker opposition tactics? If yes, is a 4-4-2 a game starter, a halftime tactic, or mid-game switch to throw a team off? Good question. Uh, I I think it's something we might see if TFC struggle to break teams down in a 3-5-2 system. We've seen... Uh, TFC convert to, or, or change to a diamond in midfield. Javinko just dropping back into the top of the diamond. And I think that's a way where you can get Ricketts and Eltador on the pitch. That's what, how you get Ricketts into the game, keeping Eltador and Javinko in the side. I think when Greg Vanny initially took over, his his uh, philosophy was a 4-4-2 diamond. But since with players coming in and how the teams evolved, I, I think so is his system. And, and I think uh, the 3-5-2 system, moving the ball very quickly 
across that direct game channel from side to side to sure. break teams down. I think that's the future they're, of Toronto they're FC. They're going to play the same way. I, those fullbacks are going to still play super high. That's the way this team plays. The only difference is if you need that extra player in the midfield rather than at the back, Bradley can fill that role and drop back when needed as being the third defender and pushes forward into the midfield. I addressed it earlier. They did it so well against Philadelphia without going away from the team's principles. So what my suggestion would be, don't obsess over the formation. Just look at the style of play. That's more important. Yeah, good point. And I think Bradley, whether it's a diamond or a three-five-two system, he's always that deep line midfielder. And, and I think from there he can really dictate the, the, the tempo of games. Also, a lot of teams in this league play with a number 10. And, and I think... Bradley's been undervalued a little bit, how he stopped so many number 10s defensively as well. My problem with the 4-4-2 diamond system is fullbacks get out a little bit easy, especially away from home. And in this league, there's a lot of attacking fullbacks. So if teams shift that ball across a back four, fullbacks are able to get out. Ryan wants to know if you believe TFC will break the Galaxy record for points in a season. Says, keep up the good work, guys. Seven games to go. They're 12 points back. They have... Their next game, San Jose, they're in L.A. to take on the Galaxy, take on Atlanta United, New England, two games against Montreal, and I'm missing one more. But I, that, that's basically the competition. I, I, think, uh, I think it's something to shoot for. I, I really do. I and think I think if will. you get anywhere near it, I, I think that means you're winning the Supporters' Shield. I think, I think the club uh, want to win the Supporters' Shield. And, and that's what they're going for. And if you get anywhere near that record, you've won the Supporters' Shield. Four wins and a draw would do it. And that's two losses. Like, and, and I don't I, even think that will happen. And, and things can change extremely quickly in this league. And and they're, uh, and I'm sure that the club are aware of this. And 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 the the team will be taking it game by game. And 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 Greg Vanny, the way he sets out over the season, is very methodical. And and it's really everything is so planned to a T that that you look at each game individually. And uh, I think the club's right on target for where they want to be. One more, very quickly, Josh, wondering if Delgado's still the best man in the middle of the park, or would you move Hasler to the middle and play Betashter on the right? Good question. Uh, I think Hasler could play in there. It's an option. Uh, and and definitely an option. But I think Marky Delgado. I think his own form's been great. I yes. think I think he's a threat. I think he can nick you a goal, as Hassler's done as well. But I think Delgado brings a nice dynamic to the midfield. I think he is his workload, his running, how economical he's in possession, how, how quick he moves that ball is very important to the way TFC play and how quickly they move the ball from side to side. Good stuff. So I would not drop Delgado. Awesome. Uh, great stuff, Terry. Next week, we'll look ahead to the San Jose match, 5 p.m. September 9th at BMO Field. We'll wrap up the the, the transfer deadline in European football next week as well. There's was good. so much going on today, like, and we haven't had time. But We're still speculating. PSG, There's another how many hours? Exactly. Six, five hours of the window. So we'll do a proper wrap-up next week, and we'll reflect upon the international break as well. Sounds good. How's that? Beautiful. Sounds good? Yeah. At Terry underscore Dunfield on Twitter. I honestly missed you, man. It's I'll great having you, too. you back. It's not the same, even though you're making cameos on other podcasts. We'll leave it alone. It's a transfer window, mate. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> You're being wooed, blinded, died. Never, chat. Never. The man is a legend, Terry Dunfield. I am Gareth Wheeler at WheelerTSN. Subscribe, like, comment, tell your friends. This is the Come On Your Red Toronto FC podcast on torontofc.ca and TSN 1050 in Toronto.